You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. I know for a fact that I shouldn't do it, but it's like as if I can't help myself. I stir it, I wind her up, I say things that the minute they've left my mouth, I know I shouldn't have said. It's like as if I have no control over me. That is more or less a direct quote from a client who talks about his ability to wind up his wife into a frenzy and fan the flames of what would have been a little argument into something that last f- lasts for days. You and I know that we are very good at reacting to situations and in doing so making them worse. The interesting thing from our previous conversations is, you will know, that when we react to situations it's not us that's reacting, it's who we think we are, and we're not reacting to what's going on. We're reacting to what we think is going on. And there's somebody else, another party, to the conversation or the argument as well, and they're doing exactly the same thing. So in any argument, we are always four or five or half a dozen steps removed from reality. At the start of this particular episode, I want to reiterate the point. Thinking thinking the way in which the normal mind thinks in loops. Thinking doesn't just remove you from reality. Thinking doesn't just hold you back. Thinking doesn't just ruin the here and now. It suffocates you. You miss everything. You dig yourself into a deeper and deeper hole. Now, contrast that, what we've just been talking about, with a number, and they are many, conversations that I've had with clients over the last 25 years. Clients who started out with me on the basis that they wanted to achieve more business success or wanted to be better leaders in in their leadership role in the organization in which they worked. In other words, people who often came to me on the basis of pure commercial interest what we might call the normal definition of success. It is amazing the number of times I have heard over the years in one-to-one conversations with clients, something along the following lines. Uh, For example, I was talking to one particular client, very senior in a large multinational organization about four years ago. We started our one-to-one conversations by telephone over the course of the summer. And we'd got to the middle of August. We'd been talking about his leadership skills and his ability to influence and lead other people. And about four conversations into this particular consultation, the conversation started with him saying to me, I had a a funny experience over the weekend, he said, on Sunday. He said, we were sitting down having a meal in a nice restaurant and my wife turned to me and she said, you know, Over the last four or five weeks, I don't know what's happened, but you've become a much nicer person. I didn't ask for the details. I didn't want to know what the before and after comparison was, but the key point was 
that by virtue of the fact that you was becoming more and more present, he was becoming more and more available to her, free from the thoughts that hold him back. Yeah, think about it like this. An awful lot of people say to me that they love spending, or they try to spend quality time with their uh, kids, with their with their children. Even 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 the, even what I've just said, trying to find or spend quality time. Trying means you're not doing it, and quality time, not 100% sure what that is. Time is time, and it's ticking past all the time, and if we don't turn up to the here and now, it doesn't matter what kind of quality it is. We're simply not there. Many of my clients have said to me, I go home in the evening to spend this quality time with their children, with one eye still on my mobile phone, with one part of my brain still in overdrive, wondering what's going on at work, or whether I'll be interrupted this evening, or thinking about the work I have to do after they go to bed, or thinking about the work I have to do tomorrow. And without exception, every one of those people will have said to me at some point or other, my children know that I'm actually not there. Children, particularly younger children, two, three, four, five years of age, who are fully present in the here and now, can see through you, can see through adults who are physically there but mentally all over the place. The more we develop our presence, the more we are present for everybody else. And in particular, that has all kinds of implications. I was going to start with the in particular of that's so important for the people that we love or claim to love, I should say, because if you're not present for them, there's no point in saying that you love them because you haven't bothered turning up for them. So you're actually only claiming to love them. And in fact, not only are you claiming to love them, not only are you not doing them any good, you're doing them damage. You're holding them back too. You're suffocating them too. But presence is very important from a leadership perspective. In fact, presence is the hallmark of great leadership. Somebody who is present makes you feel special. I remember talking to an individual who had been at an event when President Bill Clinton was visiting Ireland. I don't know how long ago this was. And he was at an, an event in a big hotel in Dublin. There were about a thousand people in the room and he got talking to Clinton and he said to me afterwards, he said, I felt even though there were a thousand people in the room, that it was just the two of us. I had all of his attention. He was present. He had what we call colloquially presence. And an awful lot of people think that leaders are born or leaders have a quality that other people don't have. No, they don't. Leadership is something you can learn. Presence is something we can all develop. And when we develop our presence, it simply means that we're more present than the next person. And that makes and leaves an impression, it makes an impact. It has, an, it has the effect of raising the presence of those around you too. Think about how great it is to be in the presence of somebody with presence. You actually feel good. And time flies. Time flies when you're having fun. Contrast that with spending half an hour with what my wife calls an energy vampire. Somebody who is negative. Somebody who will suck you dry. 
as many clients have said to me uh, over the years i spent half an hour with an energy vampire i'm only fit to lie down for a couple of hours afterwards people suck you dry but those with presence raise you up now up to now i've been talking about other people my clients leaders who raise you up i've actually just used the phrase those with presence but you have presence that presence is just waiting to emerge from within in earlier episodes we've been talking about the way in which the normal mind operates on on automatic pilot the automatic pilot's primary concern is ensuring that we make it through the day and that your automatic pilot like any automatic pilot runs on programs and the programs were installed when you learned them first when you were young and impressionable during your formative years those programs all together form what psychology calls your stored knowledge a body of thought for every occasion that enables you make it through every kind of circumstance during the course of the day you've a thought for every occasion you've a program for every occasion all of those thoughts and they amount to 70,000 thoughts whizzing through our head every waking day all of those thoughts distance you from reality for the very simple reason whether they are good bad or indifferent the very simple reason that those thoughts come from the past and life is lived in the present that's why we've been talking about presence in this episode when you develop your ability to stop giving power to that body of thought in your own head by developing your ability to pay attention to the here and now there's a whole domino effect and in fact the whole domino effect is encapsulated in the sentence that I've just spoken by developing your ability pay attention to the here and now and we've talked about this in in previous episodes what happens I become present because that's where I'm paying my attention I become present to the here and now I develop presence as a result of my developing presence as a result of me giving my attention to the present there's none of my attention left to give to the past so the past the thoughts that bind the baggage that holds us back is starved of our attention and loses its power over us but that's only the beginning of it because when we develop our presence when we become present in the here and now when the thoughts that hold us back lose their power over us there is a fundamental shift in the individual that turns up to the here and now in the ordinary course of everyday life some version of your conceptual self turns up to the here and now you're wearing one mask or another you could be wearing the mask that you wear when you go out with the lads to the pub 
on a Friday evening. Or you could be wearing the mask that you wear when you're having Sunday dinner with your in-laws. Or wearing the mask when you are out with your mates in the club. Or wearing the mask that you wear at home. Or wearing... We, we have loads of masks. Again, we have a mask for every occasion. And think about it. We have a mask for every occasion because we have a thought program for every occasion. That's where these masks come from. The mask that most conceals us from the world is the mask that we have on that has fooled us into thinking we are what psychology calls our conceptual self. So in the normal course of our everyday lives, some version of our conceptual selves turns up to the here and now. Some version of you. And version of you isn't even remotely related to you. The version of you is constructed from a set of thought programs. We've been through that before. And if you want to explore more on that, I would suggest you delve back into some of the earlier episodes. Or you can look at some of the stuff that I have on my website, willie-horton.com. The key point is that when we're operating in the ordinary course of our everyday lives on automatic pilot, you don't turn up to the here and now. You never turn up to the here and now. Some version of you does not even turn up to the here and now. Bodily you turn up to the here and now and you pay attention to the thoughts that create the version of you that turns up to the here and now. So you're well and truly removed from reality. You have no presence. You're not going to make any real impact. You're not going to leave the kind of impression you'd love to leave to get on in life. But let's go back to what I said a minute ago. When you pay attention to the here and now, and we do that every morning through meditation, that's the training that enables you turn up to the here and now during the course of the day, or at least it's part of the training. When you turn up to the here and now by paying attention to the here and now, you become present. You have presence. You pay no more attention to the thoughts that hold you back, so they lose their power over you, so that the various different versions of your conceptual self simply evaporate, because they're not real like a magic trick. They just evaporate in a puff of smoke. What is left? What's left is the real you. And the real you begins to emerge from that puff of smoke, little by little, moment by moment, day by day. Now, for starters, herein lies a challenge. We, as ordinary human beings, like to see results for what we're doing straight away. That is why, for example, a manual worker like a plumber or a carpenter or a painter and decorator will have more job satisfaction, generally speaking, than people in the higher levels of leadership and management. Because at the end of a working day, if I am making a table, I can see the fruits of my labours. I know I'm getting on. I know I'm doing well. I can stand back and admire my work. 
But if I'm, say, leading some project of 150 people in an organisation that's going on for two years, and an awful lot of projects, by the way, like that, actually get cancelled halfway through anyway, at the end of a working day, I can't see anything for the work that I've put in today, and it becomes more and more frustrating. If we were to divert ourselves, and we probably will at some stage in the future in one of these episodes, into the manner in which the University of Chicago has looked at how people experience satisfaction in their lives, has looked at how people experience flow in their lives. One of the key attributes of flow is that you are constantly getting an understanding that you're doing well. You can constantly see the fruits of your labours. You can give yourself a pat on the back and you can say to yourself, yeah, I'm moving forward, I'm doing well, I'm getting satisfaction out of this because I see the fruits of my labours. What has this got to do with what we've just been talking about? Well, the problem with working on yourself is that you're not going to see the fruits of your labours on day one. Very few of my clients have had a fundamental shift in their understanding of self in the space of a day or two. I'm not saying none. Uh, I have one particular client who I will be talking to immediately after this who I met first, one-to-one, in a golf club in Dublin, I don't know how many years ago, possibly about 10 years ago. He went back home after our day together, walked in the door, and his wife said to him, well, what happened to you? You're a completely different person to the person who left here this morning. And he says it to me again and again and again. He said, I don't know what you did to me that day. And of course, the point is, I did nothing to him he actually realised something himself. He said there was a fundamental shift in my understanding of who I am. Now, that has happened with clients probably no more than half a dozen times over the last 25 years. People literally get, I suppose, to coin a phrase, struck by lightning. Most people don't get struck by lightning. Most people walk out into a gentle mist and gradually get drenched in an understanding of who they really are. And it takes time. And therefore, if you've started meditating, it is going to take some time for you to see your inner self emerge. But there will be signs, there will be little shoots of fresh growth straight away. Because the first thing you will begin to realize, the first thing that you will begin to become aware of, is that in your ordinary state of mind, your mind is very noisy. Everybody tells me that. They sit down to meditate for the first time and begin to realize just how much noise there is between their two ears. All kinds of weird noise. Some of the noise we already are familiar with, like uh, our ability to distract ourselves very easily, or the extent to which We know we're tripping ourselves up or have misgivings about ourselves. Some of those thoughts we're familiar with. But very often when people sit down, the thoughts string together and take them away to places that have nothing to do with anything in particular at all. That is one of the first things that people realize. For example, I do an awful lot of free 
online training. You may have come across some of my free sessions. They'd normally come in, in batches of three. And I would be talking uh, online, uh, normally either by email or on Facebook, to a lot of people who have signed up to go through these free programs. And generally speaking, the most common comment I get is, oh my God, my mind is so noisy, I can't still it. Oh my God, how am I going to be able to still the noise in my mind? Oh my God, I didn't realize there was so much nonsense going on in my mind. That nonsense was always going on, and that is the first step in awareness, becoming aware of the noise in your own head. Very often as we begin to take our first tentative steps in paying attention to the here and now, not only do we realize that our own mind is very noisy, we begin to notice just how crazy the behavior of other people is. Any of you who are signed up to receive my free weekly video and quick tip and reflection on a Thursday morning will know that mostly on a Thursday, there's also a normal crazy people story. A little light-hearted moment, although there's nothing light-hearted in the behaviour of normal crazy people, but a little light-hearted moment in observing the craziness of how normal people behave, because they're not present. They are doing whatever they're doing, reacting to whatever they think is going on, through one or more of their masks. It is amazing the number of clients who have said to me in the first few days even of developing their ability to turn up to the present moment that they've realized just how crazy other people are. There's one particular client who springs to mind now that I mention it, who I met many years ago, again on a one-day uh, one-to-one, uh, again in Dublin before I moved to France, who was the group HR director of a very large company. And at the end of the afternoon, he said to me, he said, You've made my job so much easier, because there was I thinking I was dealing with rational human beings, and I've realized now that actually I'm dealing with normal crazy people. And once I know that, it makes it far easier to deal with that situation, because now I know what I'm dealing with. The point I want you to understand is that in order to allow your true potential emerge, you have to work at this on a daily basis. Your awareness, your awareness in relation to the noise in your own head, your awareness in relation to the madness of other people's behavior, begins to dawn on you. This awareness, in particular the awareness of what is going on in your own head, is the beginning of self-awareness. Every single person going through my free training that I mentioned a minute ago who emails me and said I haven't realized, I hadn't realized up to now just how noisy my mind is, I always answer them the same way. You're way ahead of almost everybody else on this planet because now you're aware of the noise in your head. When people are operating on automatic pilot, they're aware of nothing. But even as you begin to develop an awareness of the noise in your own head, you become increasingly aware of the extent to which you are present or the extent to which you might be absent. And that isn't the first step on the road to self-awareness. 
that is self-awareness. As I said a moment ago, the fundamental shift from thinking that you are who you thought you were to realizing who you could possibly be very often takes time. It rarely happens in one afternoon. As I said, I've seen it happen, but it rarely happens in one afternoon. But the fundamental shift means that you are going to become acquainted with somebody with whom you were intimately acquainted during your childhood, but who you haven't met since you were 12 or 13 years of age. You are going to become acquainted, little by little, with the real you. You are going to become acquainted with somebody who is not limited by thought. Somebody who can live the life that they really, really want because of the way in which the mind, when it is free of the thoughts that bind, of the baggage that hold us back, because of the way in which that free mind works. That free mind can bring you anything your heart desires. <laughs> Think about that. This is something we need to explore very specifically before Christmas, because at Christmas you're going to have the opportunity to reflect on one of the key sentences I've just uttered. Whatever you really want. We're going to reflect on that before Christmas. But think about how different your life can be once you park your baggage. Imagine how wonderful your life will be the more and more the real you emerges. People often have flashes of the real you, if I can put it like that. People in the midst of a crisis often do things when they have no time to think about it, when the thoughts in our own head can't hold them back, and they take on something akin to superhuman powers. They surprise themselves in doing things that they thought in the normal course of everyday life they couldn't do. And of course they couldn't do it in the course of normal everyday life by virtue of the fact that in normal everyday life the thoughts stop them doing it. When you don't have time to think, all you can do is do. When you develop your ability to be present, when you develop your ability to pay attention to the here and now, when you starve your thoughts of the attention that they need to be a force in your everyday life, when, when you do all that, you, little by little, begin to get flashes of who you are, begin to get flashes of, of the kind of life you could have, begin to get flashes of how different you are in ordinary everyday situations. The kind of difference that has led to the comments that I mentioned right at the beginning of this episode. Somebody walking in the door and being told, 
you're different than you were when you left this morning. Or somebody being told over Sunday dinner, you've become a much nicer person over the last four or five weeks. How did that happen? That is because what is inside begins to come out. That is what happens when you begin to release yourself. When our thoughts have no longer any power over us, we liberate ourselves from our own fears. We liberate ourselves from our own misgivings about ourselves. We liberate ourselves from the past. We liberate ourselves from all the things that we simply thought hold us back. We release ourselves and allow ourselves come to the surface. Now that is possibly the most interesting insight into all of this. You do not have to go looking for the real you. The real you will simply come to the surface as a result of you releasing yourself from your own thoughts. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to wonder about who you might be. You don't have to agonize over how different you might be from who you thought you were. And I've used the word agonize deliberately for the simple reason that some of the clients with whom I've worked over the years have almost been fearful of discovering their true potential. But you don't have to agonize over any of that. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to work on it at all. The only thing with which you need concern yourself is developing your ability to be present. Once you become present, once you have presence, everything else simply emerges. And that, in itself, is more than good enough reason for you to meditate every morning, to develop your awareness, first of all, of the noise in your head, to notice the behaviour of others. We talked about that a few minutes ago. What I didn't say was get involved in the behaviour of others. Notice it. Some people are very annoyed by the behaviour of normal crazy people. And I'm constantly saying to them, you have a choice. You can be annoyed with it or you can be entertained by it. Let yourself be entertained by the circus before your very eyes. The more you step back from all of that, the more you step into what's real the more you step into the present moment. And by your presence, you will not only liberate yourself, but you will give those around you, as a result of your presence, the power to liberate themselves too. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called, To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit wwwwilly horton